Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Revolution, a verse-by-verse study of the book of Acts. Here's Pastor Nick. The interesting thing about eagles, eagles can be found on every continent of the earth except for Antarctica. Eagles also, interesting thing about them, they fly higher than almost any other bird and they are incredibly strong, so strong in fact that some species of eagles can even carry off deer and have been known to carry off large monkeys. And so for, for these reasons, people have always had great reverence for eagles. They've, always, uh, they've often chosen eagles as national symbols of many countries, including the Roman Empire had an eagle as its symbol. You know, Germany has an eagle as its symbol. Russia, the United States, we all use the eagle as our symbol. It's a symbol of strength. It's, it flies higher than any other bird, and it's stronger than any other bird. You know, one of the interesting things about eagles, though, is this. It's how they teach their young ones to fly. For the first few months after an eaglet is hatched, that little eaglet has it made in the shade. He's up high, perched up in a high tree or on a cliff, and he has a great view from that high perch. And mom comes by every couple hours to feed him, and he's, he gets nice and plump. But here's an interesting thing. The eagle's nests are actually built in such a way that they have sticks pointing inward, which means this, that as that eaglet grows and gets fatter and plumper, it becomes increasingly uncomfortable for the eaglet to stay in the nest. And no doubt the little eaglet starts to wonder, why is it that mom and dad don't make the nest a little bit more comfortable? Don't they love me? Don't they care about me? Don't they want me to be happy? And then little does the eaglet realize, though, that this is part of the design. It's part of the design from the beginning, part of the grand plan from the beginning to get him to do something that he wouldn't want to do otherwise, and that is to fly. And then another thing happens. About four months after the eaglet's hatched, after four months of comfort hanging out in the nest, one day, Mama Eagle comes by. And she starts shaking the nest with her big claws and flapping those wings and literally kicks the eaglet out of the nest. And as our little eaglet friend is bumped out of his nest, he begins to fall. He begins to tumble hundreds of feet down towards the ground below, feathers flying, you know, the eaglet squawking, frantically fluttering, freaking out as the ground races towards him and the rocks below get bigger and bigger and closer until suddenly Mama Eagle swoops in underneath and catches the eaglet and carries him on outstretched wings back to the nest. Right? That's what we talk about when we talk about being carried on eagle's wings. So the little eaglet, you know, he says, whew, you know, that was close. I guess mom, you know, she must have made a mistake. I'm sure she didn't do that on purpose, right? She accidentally bumped me. I'm sure that won't happen again. And, and then, um, then guess what? A day or two later, mama eagle comes by again and bumps the nest again, sending little eaglet, you know, tumbling towards the earth below again, screeching and squawking once again. And, and once again, she swoops down underneath him to catch him and return him to the nest. And this process is repeated over and over until the little eaglet learns to spread his wings and soar. You see, the eaglet learns to fly. He learns to soar higher and become stronger than any other bird uh, by a design in which he is not allowed to get too comfortable. By a design in which he's literally kicked out of the nest. 
And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, interestingly, God says that He does the exact same thing with us. Here's what we read in Deuteronomy 32. It says this, In a desert land, in the howling waste of the wilderness, He encircled him, He cared for him, and He kept him as the apple of His eye. And here's the thing, check this out. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading its wings, catching them, and bearing them up on its pinions, the Lord alone guided him. See, in this section, God is recounting to his people how he has led them and how he has guided them throughout their life. And he describes himself, he says, this is like this, I'm like that loving father, and I often work in your lives the same way that a mother eagle teaches the eaglet to fly. By allowing things which are uncomfortable. By allowing circumstances where it feels like you're tumbling out of control. But it's for a purpose. And it comes from a heart of love. And that purpose isn't to destroy, but it's so that we might learn to soar to even greater heights. So here in Acts chapter 8, you know what we're going to see as we study this section. We're going to see this very principle at work in the lives of the early Christians. And as we do, we're going to consider how it's also true in our lives as well. The title of today's message is, Kicked Out of the Nest. You could say that from Acts chapter 7, all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the focus has been primarily on God's work in and through the people of Israel. Now, there have been some exceptions, and for sure, throughout the whole thing, in view has been this idea that God cares about all nations and God wants to save all people, but the focus from the whole Bible up until Acts chapter 7 has been God's work in and through the people of Israel. And starting here in chapter 8 of Acts, that's going to change. We're going to see a great turning point in the Bible, a great turning point actually in history, where now the time has come for a great movement to begin of people going out into all the world and spreading the good news of the gospel and welcoming people everywhere to know God and be saved because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. This movement is one which goes on to this day. It's one that we've all been touched by. In fact, if you're a Christian, it's a movement that you're even a part of. And here in Acts chapter 8, we're going to see how it began. And so for those of you who like outlines, here's what it's going to be. Here's how we're going to break it down. First of all, we're going to see a surprising catalyst. Next, we're going to see an unintentional missionaries. And thirdly, we're going to see something that money can't buy. So a surprising catalyst, unintentional missionaries, and something money can't buy. Let's begin by looking at this surprising catalyst in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. The execution referred to here in verse 1 is the execution of Stephen, which if you were here with us last week, that was what we studied in chapter 7. We saw Stephen, who was this Christian man, a leader in the early church, and because of his Christian faith, his beliefs in Jesus, he was accused of blasphemy, and he was put to death, making him the very first Christian martyr. And this man, Saul, who we read about here, we read that he was an enthusiastic supporter of Stephen's execution. But here's what happened that we see now after Stephen was executed. For these people like Saul, who didn't like the Christians, who wanted to see the Christians silenced and squashed and and go away, Stephen's death, rather than satisfying their hatred of Christians, instead it made them, they were like animals who got their first taste of blood and all they could think about was getting some more. 
And Stephen was executed, and, and these people said, you know what, what we did to Stephen was good, but you know what it was? It was a good start. There's a whole lot of other people out there just like Stephen, and I'll tell you this, if Stephen deserved to die, well then those people deserve to die too. What we did to Stephen was good, but you know what would be better is if we did the same thing to all the Christians out there. And they said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go from house to house, and we're going to find these Christians, and we're going to give them a choice. We're going to give them a choice to, to recant their faith in Jesus and deny that Jesus is Lord, or we'll arrest them for blasphemy, and if they still refuse to recant those things that they espouse to be true about Jesus, then we'll execute them just like we executed Stephen. You see, those very things that we just made a confession of faith about, these are the kinds of things that people were being forced to recant under threats of violence and death. The execution of Stephen, what it did, the effect it had, was that it opened up the floodgates of persecution against the Christians. Until now, it was only the apostles who had been targeted, who had been arrested and beaten. But now, every believer is being threatened with violence and even death. And so the Christians, we see that they begin to flee Jerusalem. They begin to flee to escape this persecution. We're talking here about families. We're talking about moms and dads with kids. We're talking about young people just beginning their life on their own. And they know what's going to happen if they get caught. And it turns out that they're Christians. Either they're going to have to deny their faith. And if they're unwilling to do that, well, then they know it's going to be bad for them. And so they flee to the surrounding areas, to Samaria in the north of Jerusalem and to Judea in the south of Jerusalem. Now, here's why this is interesting. Because back in Acts chapter 1, which we studied weeks ago, we, we read this interesting phrase that while Jesus was still with his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he told them this, this very important phrase. He said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, but now here's the thing. Six years roughly have gone by since that time. Six years and they haven't left Jerusalem. They're still here in Jerusalem. They haven't ventured out beyond Jerusalem. Roughly six years have passed and there's been no initiative taken for, of these people to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, out beyond Jerusalem and into the surrounding areas. They've been comfortable in Jerusalem. They've had a great Christian community there. They had this incredible koinonia that we've been talking about for several weeks, right? This Christian community, that intimate fellowship and sharing of all things, sharing of spiritual things and sharing of material things. They did life together. They ate meals together. They worshiped God together. And it was great. And sure, yeah, Jesus had told them to take the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth, but none of them wanted to leave Jerusalem. I mean, who would? Outside of Jerusalem, there's no Christians. And there in Jerusalem, they have this wonderful community of Christians where they feel safe, where they feel comfortable. It was like their little nest. Only now, the nest is being shaken. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. 
Now suddenly that nest isn't so comfortable as it used to be. And surely they're starting to wonder, God, what's going on? Why are you letting this happen to us, God? We're the ones who follow you. We're the ones who obey you. God, why would you let this happen to us? Don't you love us? If you love us, you could stop this. Why aren't you stopping this? But do you see what's happening? God has a plan. God has had a desire. God has had a vision for these people for a long time that they wouldn't just stay in Jerusalem forever, but that they would go out from there and bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the surrounding areas, even to the ends of the earth. And if they're not going to go on their own, well, then God will give them a little bit of motivation to do so, right? Like a mother eagle, he'll kick them out of the nest if that's what it takes to teach them to fly. God would even allow a great persecution to come upon these believers if that's what it would take to get them moving in the direction he wanted them to go in. If that's what it took to get them to go where he had called them to go. See, this persecution against the Christians, it turned out to be a a surprising catalyst, didn't it? A surprising catalyst to get these Christians moving from where they are to where God wants them to be. To get them doing what God wants them to do and has called them to do. And I think this is true in many of our lives, that sometimes God uses pressing circumstances to guide us in his will. I would venture to guess there are probably some of us in here who are like me, right? You can be a little bit hard-headed at times, maybe even stubborn. And God, sometimes for people like us, he will put pressing circumstances in our lives to get our attention and to move us into his will for our lives. Like that little eaglet who has to be shaken up out of the nest to begin to fly. Sometimes our lives have to be shaken up as well. And God will do that. He'll shake us up out of what is comfortable for us to get us moving in the direction he wants us to go. Maybe it's getting laid off from a job. Maybe it's a medical issue that comes up in your life. Maybe it's a broken relationship or a lost relationship. Maybe it's getting busted for something you've been doing in secret and you wonder you know, now it's come to light. Maybe it's an unforeseen change, maybe even an unwanted change in your life, and you wonder why, God? Why are you allowing this? But I want you to see this. I want you to see this, that like these people, perhaps it is precisely because God loves you that he has allowed difficult circumstances to shake up your life. Perhaps it is the very providence of a loving God who desires to do something in and through your life that you are experiencing that difficulty. That was certainly the case here with these people. And it is one of the ways that God works in our lives too. And so even in the midst of difficult circumstances, there must be this knowledge in the back of our minds that tells us, I may not particularly like this situation. I'm not sure even what God is trying to do through this, but I know this, that I can rest in the knowledge that God loves me and I can trust in my loving Heavenly Father that He will work all things for my ultimate good and His ultimate glory. We read there in in verse 2 that devout men buried Stephen and they made great lamentation over him. Now I like that Luke includes this statement here that devout men, and these are supposedly Jewish people, these aren't Christians because all the Christians are fleeing, that these devout men came and they took Stephen's body and they gave him a proper burial. And what, what Luke is telling us here is this, that it wasn't that all the Jewish people in Jerusalem 
had animosity against the Christians. Yes, there were people like Saul who wanted to destroy the Christians, but lest we think that all the Jews hated the Christians, Luke tells us that there were some devout men there who wept over what they saw happening, and they came and they gave Stephen a dignified burial. And in verse 3, we read this, But Saul was ravaging the church, and he was entering house after house, dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. This man, Saul of Tarsus, we read that he ravaged the church. That word ravage, it's like a picture of a wild animal going on a rampage and just tearing things up. He went from house to house. He was hunting Christians. We read later on in the book of Acts that Saul, what he did was he compelled these people to blasphemy. In other words, he compelled them, you know, you can imagine the knife to their throat, compelling them to blaspheme Jesus and to recant their faith. He had no mercy. We read here that he viciously attacked Christians, even women. He had no mercy at all. It it was a dark time for the believers there in Jerusalem. But there was something that God was doing in the midst of this that that would change the world forever, actually. The Christian movement, this church... Which, which had grown, it had grown healthy in that little incubator of Jerusalem, right? In the nest where for six years they had been instructed in the word of, word of God. And they had learned the ways of God and they grew up into strong, healthy Christians. Now they're being spread abroad into the surrounding regions. Thousands of them. And they've got what? They've got information in their heads about Jesus and they've got love in their hearts for God. And they go into the surrounding region. And little did they realize that those six years they spent in Jerusalem, it was a time of preparation for what was coming next. They were being equipped during that time. Little did they realize they were being equipped for what was next, that they were going to be sent out into the world to take what they had learned and what they'd received and give it to other people. This persecution, it turned out to be a surprising catalyst for the spread of the gospel, for the beginning of a movement, and for the salvation of many people. And I do believe that this should give us some perspective on our lives and God's work in our lives and the circumstances of our lives. And here's how I would put it. Do not despise difficult circumstances that come from the hand of a loving God. I'm going to say that again because I think it's important. Don't despise difficult circumstances that come from the hand of a loving God. You may find that they are a surprising catalyst for something good. That brings us to our next section. In verse 4, we read about unintentional missionaries. Now these people who were scattered abroad, they went about preaching the word. Instead of silencing the Christians, instead of stamping out the flames of faith, this persecution only succeeded in spreading Christianity into the surrounding regions. You see, the winds of persecution, they only served to fan the flames of Christianity, and they sent out sparks in all directions, which ignited little fires all over the place. Everywhere these Christians went, we see that they talked about Jesus. These Christians became unintentional missionaries. For six years, they had been in this wonderful church in Jerusalem. They had learned about Jesus. They had studied the scriptures. And now they're scattered abroad. They're scattered like seeds cast by the hand of the farmer. And throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, they go out as accidental missionaries, as unintentional missionaries. And they live out their Christian lives. And they talk about Jesus wherever they go. And these things that they had heard in church for all these years, you know, the things that you hear over and over again, you say, yeah, I've already heard that. Yeah, I already know it well now was the opportunity for them to begin to share those things with other people a very similar thing happened actually in the 1940s 
in China, when the communists took control of China. One of the first things that the communists did in China to eradicate Christianity, which was their goal, one of their, their strategy was this. The first thing they did was they, they uh, arrested and they deported all of the foreign missionaries. The next thing they did was that they broke up the Christian congregations and they forcibly relocated Christians throughout the entire country, thinking that apart from each other, apart from fellowship together, that Christianity would just kind of, you know, with time fizzle out. But just like what happened here in the book of Acts, the same thing happened in China. The persecution that was intended to stamp out Christianity had the exact opposite effect. Rather than killing Christianity, it caused it to spread incredibly throughout that country. Many of the missionaries who had been deported, they went to work in the surrounding countries of Southeast Asia. And the Chinese Christians, they were no longer concentrated just in certain areas where there had been missions. Now they were spread out throughout the entire country. They became unintentional missionaries. They weren't professional preachers. They hadn't been to Bible college. They were just normal Christians and everywhere they went, they lived the Christian life, which by the way is just so incredibly countercultural in every society of the world. They lived the Christian life and they talked about Jesus. And today, almost 70 years later, there is an indigenous Chinese Christian movement which is estimated to be around 100 million people strong which is 40 times the, what it was before the communists began persecuting Christians in China. You know, Tertullian, the, the early church father, he, he wrote this famous statement about the persecution of the church, and this is what he said. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church because what he's saying is that historically, rather than destroying Christianity, persecution has caused Christianity to become stronger and to grow and to spread. And here's what I would say in reflection on that. You know, here in the United States, we don't have to deal with persecution. Now, some people would, would argue that maybe it's on the way, and maybe it is, but I would say this. Maybe it's not the worst thing that could ever happen, and here's why. Because I think there's a greater threat to Christianity, and it's, it's more than persecution from outside forces. A greater threat to Christianity is, the, is this rampant sense of complacency and a lack of a sense of mission. You see, it's, that's something that we here in America, we have to deal with and face. We don't face persecution for our faith, but the threat that Christianity faces in our society is this sense of complacency uh, uh, towards spiritual matters. It's a sense of a, a lack of a sense of mission by those who are Christians. And right now as we speak, you know, I was thinking about it, that Christians are being persecuted in Iraq, in Syria, in China, in Iran. And I'll tell you this, there are no lukewarm Christians in those places. You're not going to go and find lukewarm Christians in places like that where people are being persecuted because for those people, to be a Christian, it's all or nothing, right? It could cost you your life. They, they take it very seriously. Christians in Syria, Christians in underground churches in Iran, they don't have time for the petty stuff that Christians in our society often you know, complain about or debate about, right? Like, like, oh, uh, you know, I couldn't, uh, couldn't find a parking spot right up front, so uh, I just went home. Or stuff like, you know, people in Syria don't say stuff like that, the Christians there. Or, you know, the preacher, he's pretty good looking, but uh, he's not really funny enough for me. I like a lot of jokes in my sermon. The songs were good, but I really like to have a smoke machine when I'm worshiping, right? These are things that no Iranian Christian has ever said, ever. And here's the thing, though. You know what? Uh, you don't have to be persecuted in order to keep a right focus on what matters. 
There's another way, and, and which is much more applicable to our situation. And that's this, having a sense of mission. If we have a sense of mission, if we understand what God has called us to be, what God has called us to do, to go into all the world and be ambassadors for him and bring this message of hope and redemption and new life through the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you have that focus, when you have that as your driving force, it keeps you hyper-focused on what matters. You know, here at Whitefields, that's the kind of church we want to be. I put it this way, we don't want to just be people who gather to study the book of Acts. We want to be people who live out the book of Acts, here locally and beyond. You know, and coming up, we have some outreaches over the next few months. These are great opportunities for you to engage in the mission of God here in our community, and I would encourage you to get involved in those things. You know, this area, this is for us, like it was for them, Judea and Samaria. This is where God has planted us. And may we be these kinds of people who are actively engaged in the mission of God wherever God has planted us, right? That we're transforming this community by living counterculturally Christian lives and talking about Jesus wherever we go. Let's continue reading from verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, where they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many people who were paralyzed or lame were healed, and there was much joy in that city. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live-streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. 